¿Alguna vez has estado listo para sentarte y disfrutar de la televisión y luego te das cuenta que no sabes lo que quieres ver o incluso dónde empezar a buscar opciones? Cox Contour TV te facilita esta decisión con entretenimiento que amas. Todo en el mismo lugar. Mira televisión en vivo, programas en demanda, grabaciones de DRB y música. Todo con el sonido de tu voz con el control remoto de voz Contour. No solo encuentras los programas que estás buscando, sino también te brinda recomendaciones de romance, aventura o simplemente películas y disfruta. Si eres fanático de deportes, captura la acción de golf y baloncesto que estás esperando y obtendrás puntajes, estadísticas y resúmenes en el tiempo real en la aplicación Contour Sports. Y si te gusta la transmisión, solo dilo para que lo veas en las aplicaciones de suscripción favoritas como Hulu, Paramount Plus, Disney Plus y más con Contour Stream Player. Obtén más información en cox.com barra contour. On today's show, I have an amazing guest. Her name is Genevieve Casper. She is the owner and founder of La Jefa Status. If you don't know who she is, you probably should look her up. She is so inspirational. She has an amazing story. She talks about how she grew up not knowing how to manage money like the, like most of us in the Latino community and how she is helping Latina entrepreneurs with their businesses and how she was able to navigate the student loans in her life. Um, it was a really good conversation, so you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Welcome to Debt-Free Latina, the podcast where you can finally realize your dream of being debt-free and feeling peace about your financial future. And now your host, Myra Alejandra Garcia. Hola, hola. On today's show, we have Genevieve Casper from La Jefa Status. Thank you so much for being here, Jen. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm so excited. I met Jen online here on Instagram, and we live in the same area here in the Phoenix um, metro area, and We went to dinner a couple times and we just had so many things in common when it comes to our businesses. Uh, she, La Jefa Status, is a business consulting firm and so she helps Latina entrepreneurs. Tell us a little bit about La Jefa Status. Well, La Jefa Status, I've been doing it for about a year and honestly, it came from a place where my background, I am a marketing director for a financial institution in my day job, and I've always served entrepreneurs, whether it was working in finance or working in an ad agency before that. And when I learned about Latina Equal Pay Day a few years ago, I was astounded to learn that Latinas are the lowest paid population on the planet. It doesn't matter if you work for yourself or you work for someone else, your industry, your education, your experience, where you're located across the board. I wanted to support Latina entrepreneurs with my money, put my money where my mouth is. And I met so many talented, enthusiastic women who had created successful businesses for themselves, but didn't feel comfortable being a part of the traditional entrepreneurial ecosystems. And I know from being in those places that that's where you get the opportunity. That's where you meet people who can introduce you to other people who can help you grow in your business. And these women were doing it all on their own. So I felt like I had an obligation to bring those resources 
to Latina entrepreneurs so that we could create more equity for all of us. Absolutely. I love that. And I really do. I saw firsthand when I met you and you're like, let's meet up for coffee. I think the first time we met up for coffee and I suggested like the local Starbucks and you're like, ah, let's go to local business. And I just thought like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Like, I think that I don't think about that as much, but ever since I've interacted with you, I've been more conscious about that. I've been like, you know what? Let's go to this, you know, like family owned restaurant instead of a chain. And I've really made an effort since the two interactions we've had, like of meeting somewhere. I thought, you know what? She's right. And I really appreciate that you pointed that out to me and that you do make that a priority. I love that. I'm so excited to hear that. Yes. Um, So in today's episode, I want to talk about facing your fears and looking at our money. I think that you and I both have very similar upbringing where um, we didn't really know about money management and um, financial literacy skills, you know, growing up. And I think that it's fairly common in the Hispanic community, in the Latino community, Mm -hmm. you know, just to, you know, not learn that growing up. It's, it's really common. And so tell us about, um, you, you mentioned that there's fear and anxiety around money. Where does that come from, from you? Or what's your story around that? So let me tell you when, I say that I didn't grow up knowing anything about money. Like I really didn't know anything about money. It was the situation where we spent it as fast as we got it because there was sort of this idea that you didn't know when you were going to get more. And so a lot of my childhood was spent sort of on the brink of financial security from lower class to lower middle class to middle class as my parents worked in their industries long enough and started to make more money, but the money habits never changed. So it was always uh, a scarcity mindset, but at the same time, and I know I've talked to others who have been in this situation, it was, I didn't take money seriously because I would see like, okay, a car got repossessed, but we got another car, you know, like things always sort of worked out just barely, even if it was, oh, getting a payday loan so that you can do this or being able, you have bad credit. Okay. Well, you'll just spend triple the price and get furniture at a rent to own store. So there's always a way to get what you need, but it's a very expensive way to get what you need. But as a kid growing up, seeing that it didn't, I didn't really understand all the intricacies of that. I just knew like, you know what, whatever your credit score is or however much money you have, like it, it'll probably work out. Like you can figure something out. And that's not really a strategic way to manage your money and to move through life. But that was my attitude for so long because that was what I saw. And I think in, in Latino families, it's your parents either are like really good savers, don't want to spend money on anything and are putting money under the mattress because nobody trusts a bank or you have the the total opposite where it's like spend it because we don't know if we're going to have it tomorrow and let's just we're, we're just going to spend it while we spend it and whatever we need we'll just figure it out on the fly. Yeah, for and sure. Kind of having that 
that laid back attitude towards money and then meeting, meeting my husband who um, did not grow up in a Latino family, had the complete, he was appalled, let's just say, when he realized that my, uh, yeah, that my, my picture of finances didn't really align with his. Yeah. When you said um, that you're either one extreme or the other, I would say my family was always finding ways to make ends meet because Mm -hmm. there was always some sort of struggle is what I grew up with. And Mm -hmm. um, my mom had the habit of pawning her jewelry as a way out. And that was normal. That was, I mean, Mm -hmm. we would go to the pawn shop all the time, either to give a payment because we had things there Mm -hmm. or to take our stuff to get pawned. Mm -hmm. And so it was fairly frequent. And so that's Mm -hmm. when you mentioned that, I was like, oh, yes, I remember that. And so you see, there's always a way to be scrappy and get by. And on the one hand, I appreciate learning how to be scrappy and having the attitude that you'll always be able to find a way because I do think that part of it is valuable, mm-hmm. but do you have to make it so hard on yourself? I don't, I don't right. think we do. No, no, I completely agree because I know what it's like to have little and make it work. And, mm-hmm. and now it's like, you know, I feel like God has given me more to manage and now I have a responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that you felt scammed with school. Tell us about that. Oh my gosh. I, I went to a school. <laughs> my, I have a bachelor's degree in advertising from a school that's no longer in business. And I actually really appreciate the education that I got because they did help me to become successful in my chosen industry. I learned so many skills that I still use today. I had really great instructors. So as far as the education goes, it definitely paid off. But while I was there, I was working going to working full-time, going to school full-time. So I was paying some of my tuition while I was in school. And then the other half, I'd get loans. But when I would talk to the financial advisors at school, it would just be like a simple, like, okay, you need $5,000 this semester. You're just signed here. And don't worry, your payments are only going to be like $100 a month when you graduate. Cut to, I've graduated a few years later. And the, I think my first round of monthly payments were $500. But as time went on, my payments got up to $1,200. So at one point I was paying more in student loans than I was for my mortgage than I was for daycare. Like it was, I could have been spending that money on so many other things. I kept every time I had to pay my student loans, I would just think I could literally be putting this towards another property right now. And I was super bitter about it because I felt like I was lied to and misled and, Mm -hmm. uh, and I was, I mean, there's a reason that school's no longer in business but that I also needed to take more responsibility with that too, because I was so bitter about it. I didn't make those payments on time. It was always the last thing that I paid if we were tied on money. Mm-hmm. And 15 years ago, my husband and I first got married. We were, I was still in school. He was an apprentice. He's a union sheet metal worker. 
You do it all without breaking a sweat. And you do it all in style. From being a boss exec to Tuesday tennis to the kids' homework, family dinners, lunches, brunches, trips to the vet, and a weekend getaway that's anything but a getaway. That's why Infinity fully reimagined the QX60 to help you conquer it all with ease. Even when you have back-to-back conference calls on top of the kids' orchestra recitals, not to mention your side hustle. A luxury SUV as functional as it is stylish and as versatile as it is serene. Available features like seating up to seven passengers, a suite of active safety features, and massaging front seats. Introducing the all-new Infiniti QX60, designed to help you conquer life in style. Now, with extremely limited availability, contact your local retailer for inventory information. I think that, especially first or second gen um, college students, are not given very many options or educated mm-hmm. on what can you do, right, for a decent career and not get into crippling debt. I think that yeah. it's, you know, it's really sad that you have these really young 20-year-olds with a really big burden of debt coming out of school and then getting entry-level jobs because they don't have the experience mm-hmm. to get you know, um, right. mid career income. Right. And I'm lucky that I have always been able to afford, (laughs) I've always been able to afford my student loan payments. I just never wanted to pay them. So it was more out of principle that I didn't want to do it, but I know so many people that that was not the case and you can't file bankruptcy to get rid of student loans. There's nothing you can do about it. And it's, it's really unfortunate because I know there are a lot of people like me who are saying yes, because you feel like I have an obligation to get an education. I know no matter what I have to do this, I need to have this piece of paper that says that I'm qualified to do something in the world. And you get that, but obviously things don't always turn out the way you hope they would. And especially depending on what industry you go into, There's very few people that I went to school with who are actually working in the industry, much less are successful in the industry. Why should we face our fears around money? Talk to us about how you were able to shift your money mindset. I knew that there was, there were things that I wanted in life and I, and I needed to have better control of my money because I felt like the money always had control over me. I was tired of being worried about whether or not an, a, a transaction was going to go through when I was paying with a debit card or not wanting to look at the mail or not wanting my husband to look at the mail or avoiding looking at the bank account balance because I just didn't want to deal with the guilt and anxiety that I had knowing that I, I'm I should have been committing myself to get better control over my finances. So it really started with me forgiving myself and saying like, it's okay that you don't know these things. It's okay that you've been avoiding it. You have to let it go and now move to a place of empowerment. Like I, I, uh, I grew up Catholic. So I grew up feeling guilty about a lot of things. And even though I'm not Catholic anymore, I definitely still carry a lot of that, guilt of all the things that you should be doing. So 
I had to, I had to let that go. I had to forgive myself for whatever I thought I had not been doing up to that point and changed my outlook to be more of an empowering one that, okay, I'm going to figure out what I need to do. I'm going to make a budget. I'm going to see what's coming in, what's going out. And I kind of thought about it like, uh, like when I was counting calories because I wanted to go on a diet. Once I knew the numbers, I felt so much more empowered because I could see calories coming in, calories going out. And I felt like I had control over what was going to happen because I had the information. So once I let go of the guilt, or at least as much as I could, sat down and started to look at the numbers. Once I knew the numbers, then I felt like I had power over them because it wasn't something that I was actively avoiding anymore. So it really came from first forgiving myself and then sort of looking at my finances with a clean slate and saying, okay, the past is the past. Here's the situation now. And what can I do to get where I want to be, which I did make a few mistakes in getting to that point too. But I realized now that that was really all part of the process. Right. If somebody wants to start a side hustle and they feel that they are barely making ends meet, they have tons of ideas. Mm -hmm. I encounter clients that know they need to earn more money in order to get out of the burden of debt. Like they need, in order to tackle their debt, they need to earn more. Um, What would you suggest someone that is just starting out, that has an idea that wants to move forward, but money is tight? How can they start a business or a side hustle or some sort of, um, business that helps them? Like, what are some of the things that you would tell someone right off the street? Mm -hmm. Two things. One is recognizing and realizing that you don't need to invest a lot of money when you're just starting out. You really should be thinking about what it's your MVP, your minimum viable product if it's a product or service, whatever it is, what is the cheapest, fastest way you can get something out there to see if people even want it? That's really where you need to start because I see so many Latina entrepreneurs in particular who spend all the money they have to buy product or to buy a a booth and market and have it all branded and put money into all these parts of their business before they even really know if they have people who want to buy what they are selling. And that is difficult for, I think it's difficult in particular for Latina entrepreneurs because we always feel like we have to put our best foot forward so that we're taken seriously. And so you don't want to ever come off as unprofessional or like you don't have it together. You're so used to having to prove yourself as soon as you walk through the door in pretty much every situation that you're in, that the idea of putting something out there that feels incomplete or that doesn't feel whole or fully thought out is really scary. But in the world of entrepreneurship, in the broader world of entrepreneurship, that's exactly what is expected. Put something out there, see if people even want it and continue to refine it as you move on. So if it doesn't matter if it's 
a product that you're selling, if you're selling food, if you're selling clothes, if you're, if you're selling decor, start with something simple. Don't feel like, okay, I want to start a jewelry business. I'm buying jewelry from a supplier and then I'm selling it. Don't feel like I have to have the earrings, the necklaces, the rings, the bracelets. I have to have everything in multiple sizes and multiple colors because I have to have everything for everyone. Just start with earrings. I'm just going to sell these hoop earrings and I have two different sizes of hoops. Let me see who likes these earrings and who's going to buy them before I move on to all of the other pieces. You don't need the whole the whole array of items. You need to start small and then grow your business. That will also give you the opportunity to not have to risk as much money, especially money that you don't really have to see if this idea is really going to work and also to see if it's even something that you enjoy doing. And you do even like selling this jewelry. Maybe you start doing it and you decide that there's something else that you would rather sell or that you get feedback from customers so that you can pivot your business and start to sell something else. Or maybe you discover, well, I'm selling a lot to, you know, moms and daughters. So maybe I should have more matching sets and market it that way. How can people find you, Jen? Instagram is where I'm most active at Lahefa status is the handle. Um, I, that's probably the fastest way to get to me. Uh, you could find me also at lahefastatus.com. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time and your insight. Um, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed every minute of it. Thanks for listening to debt free Latina. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can take Myra with you on your journey to become debt-free as you build financial wealth. Looking for more? Follow Myra on Instagram at DebtFree.Latina, Facebook at DebtFreeLatina, and online at DebtFreeLatina.com.